Joshua chapter 6. We'll be reading the first eight verses. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all the men of war going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear the seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. On the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, when you hear the sound of the trumpet, then all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up and everyone straight before him. So Joshua the son of Nun called the priests and said to them, Take up the ark of the covenant, let seven priests bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark of the Lord. And he said to the people, Go forward, march around the city, and let the armed men pass on before the ark of the Lord. And just as Joshua commanded the people, the seven priests bearing the seven trumpets of ram's horns, before the, before the Lord went forward, blowing the trumpets with the ark of the covenant of the Lord following them. The reading of the word. So here we have Joshua. And you know, Joshua, of course, is the successor to Moses. That's not an easy task, I, I would imagine, at all. But it, here he is, he's going forward, and, and his first great task as he enters the land, as you remember, he, he was a spy that was sent in the land before they, they took the land. And now he's gone, gone into the land, and he comes up to the city, Jericho. And Jericho, you know, why would God have Jericho be the first city to fall? Because Jericho was not just any city. It was a city that was a stronghold. It was described as well fortified. That is really an understatement. This city, humanly speaking, in that day and time period, was impossible to conquer. You're talking about 20 and 40 foot walls to, to scale over with an army, to just get inside. This, this city was literally impenetrable. I have a, a few pictures here before you. There's an artist rendering of, uh, of the, the outer gates. Um, and as, as the pictures go forward, you'll see one that, that depicts what the, the two different patterns in the wall would have been, where it's 20 feet high, along with, with the mud walled base that it would have had, and then the deep trench that you see right here. This was to prevent flooding from in the city. So even if you got over the first wall, you'd be a sitting duck for all the archers sitting on the second wall. There was no good way to attack this city. And that's why those that were in the city felt very confident as they, they watched Joshua and the others march around over and over day after day. They had no fear of their walls falling down. They had no fear of the Israelites that, that, that were out, outside. But they did have fear of someone. Do you know who that was? No. They were afraid of God. It says they shut up the city so no one could go out and no one could go in because they heard what God had done in Egypt. They said, well, God delivered these people from Egypt. This God just may be able to deliver our city over to them. And so, so they were afraid of the Israelites' God. Now, people will look at us and maybe they'll look at you and say, you know what? They can't do very much. They're not very strong. They're not very fast. Maybe they're not very smart. On and on and on. But you know what you got? Do they know that? You got God on your side. God is able to fight the battles. Amen. Amen. And God is not only able to fight the battles, He's able to win the battles. Amen. And I'll go on record saying God has never lost a battle. Right. Amen. Amen. So we, we need to make sure that we're trusting God when, when we're having these battles. And Joshua had 
a good reason to be confident. For in, in chapter 5, uh, we read, um, when Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes, and behold, a man was standing before him with, with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us, or are you for our adversaries? And who does Joshua see here? He sees someone that is ready for battle. And he wants to know if, if this person is fighting for Israel or fighting for the Canaanites. So who is this man? I would tell you, this is none other than the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. This is the leader of heaven's armies. He is the one that is going to fight the battle. You know, Joshua and I'm sure the others would have, would have gotten all worked up as, as they, they had the spies tell them about the mighty men of this city and how hard it was to get in. And I think in our own lives, we have battles like this where we struggle. Maybe it's with depression. Maybe it's with uh, alcohol or narcotics. Or maybe it's with job loss. Or There's all kinds of things that can get our anxiety going through the roof and say, how will we ever deal with this? And we get ourselves so worked up. And that's, that's what we see the Israelites doing. They're very worked up. How are they going to go into to the promised land? Understand when they, they go in, and they see all that God has promised them, and they see their enemies that are there. Something happens that we often overlook. The manna that came down from heaven ceases as soon as they enter the promised land. Now they have to trust in more than just the bread. They have to go out and they have to, to find the food and the sustenance. And so when they're looking at the city, and God, God is telling them that, they need to go into the city, and all that they take, all that they conquer, belongs to the Lord. That the people that are in this city are wicked people. They're worshiping a false god. In fact, in that time period, Jericho was the center of worship of the false gods of the Canaanites. So this was a strategic place, both militarily, but also spiritually. And so, sometimes we go into battle, we get ourselves all worked up, and and I'm sure these soldiers were ready for battle, but, but as they go around and day after day, they did what the Lord instructed. Oftentimes we'll hear people tell us that we, we need to, to be silent and wait upon the Lord. Amen, that is absolutely true. But God gave these guys specific instructions. It may seem a little bit out of the norm for them to march around a city for seven days and then on the seventh day do it seven times and blow trumpets and shout. But what I want you to realize here is that the battle, these soldiers, they didn't have to go up to battle and have a long war day after day with these people. The moment they shout, the scripture declares, the walls fall flat. And they conquer the city immediately. So I want you to imagine being Joshua and the others. You're getting yourself all worked up, all stressed out. How are we going to take this and all this military planning? Joshua's a mighty general. But this was not a... A strategy he could come up with. This was a plan from God. And a lot of times as we look at our lives, we come up with ways we're going to get out of things or ways we're going to get past something. And the reality is we just need to bend the knee and listen to God and see what he has to say. Because he can win the battle. He will win the battle. And what we have here in just one singular moment. And up until the 1990s, this is one of those events the archaeologists would say, no, the Bible got wrong. But they did a little digging, and they found out, you know what? At one point in time, this, there was a massive civilization living in the place that is called Jericho, an ancient civilization. This is 1,400 years before Christ. And not only did that, the deeper they dug, they started to find evidence that 20-foot walls 
fell down as if they were knocked over in a single moment. Declaring the truth of God's word over and over again. Archaeology, you know, we often argue about science versus Christianity. There's no greater science in the world than archaeology, and it declares that the Bible is true time and time again. Amen. 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 So I want you to see with Joshua and those that are with him, in a singular moment, victory was theirs. All the anxiety that they would have had, all the worry and the stress that would have been leading up to it, I'm sure many of them feared the people that were in that city. And these were not stupid people to, to build a, a city like this. This was one of the truly great ancient cities. And it fell in a day. As they marched around and, and they, they, they shouted and they listened to God. Sometimes we miss that in the story, but you know, sometimes God tells us to do things we're not comfortable with. Or some things that you know other people aren't going to like. The people in Jericho did not like them shouting, did not like them playing their trumpets. Those trumpets are, are a sign of a, a, a war, a sign of wrath of God coming down. You'll notice in Revelation there's also seven trumpets. You really don't want to hear those either. You know, so this would not have been something that would have been well liked by, by the, the people there. And it would have put the people a little bit out of their comfort zone. But they were obedient to God, as we need to be obedient to God. But tell us, as we look forward to the future of this church and the future of what Christ has for this body in this area, we need to be bending the knee to him. We need to be asking his way forward, not our own. You know, we could squabble about buildings and things like that, but at the end of the day, we need to be seeking God out. And what God will do, you'll see be miraculous. You'll see things that you'll hear testimonies where people will say, that can only be of God. And those are the testimonies we want to hear. And nobody wants to, nobody wants to hear or think of your house that you have at home. Most of us have mortgages. Some of you blessed to have their houses paid off. But nobody wants to hear, I, I made my payments on time for 30 years and then my house is paid off. They would love to hear a testimony of how God provided supernaturally and their house got paid off in three years and now they're debt free. You know, we, we, we want to hear and see God move. But above all, we have to get out of his way. Amen. And when he tells us to move, we have to do just as Joshua did and the, the mighty men in the army. They went before the ark and the priests had to be obedient. Everyone had to be in line here. If the, the army wanted to invade right away, they would have been slaughtered. If the priest didn't want to obey Joshua and what God had told him, they would not have been successful. God doesn't honor our disobedience. He honors our obedience and our faith. I'm going to read now from verses 15 through 20 of Joshua 6. On the seventh day they rose, they rose early at the dawn of the day and marched around the city in the same manner seven times. It was only on that day that they marched around the city seven times, and at the seventh time when the priests had blown the trumpets, Joshua said to the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is within it shall be devoted to the Lord for destruction. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall live, because she hid the messengers whom we sent. But you keep yourselves from the things devoted to destruction, lest when you have been devoted them, Take any of the devoted things and make the camp of Israel a thing for destruction and bring trouble upon it. But all silver and gold and every vessel of bronze and iron are holy to the Lord. They shall go into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted, the trumpets were blown, and soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpet, the people shouted a great shout, and the wall fell down flat. So the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they captured the city. 
What does it say that there's to do with the city? It says that this city belongs to the Lord. And there's a, there's a uh, I find a great irony, a passage in the New Testament. We have Jesus is going through Jericho. And there's this little man named Matthias, the tax collector. And, and I find it ironic that Matthew is a short man. And he's in Jericho. Now in Joshua's day in Jericho, what would you do to, to see something high up? You'd climb the wall. Because the wall was really tall. There's no walls anymore. It is forbidden to rebuild this city. It's forbidden to rebuild its walls. And so what, is, what does Matthew have to do? He has to climb up in a sycamore tree to, to see Jesus coming. And we know the rest of the story. Jesus says, I'm going to die in your house tonight. Matthew, the tax collector. And we, we see how, how the story's tied together. And I, I find a little bit of God's sense of humor here. You know, the, those great mighty walls that the men built, now people have to climb trees to, to be able to see a little bit higher. But I want us to look at it. Rahab for a few minutes. Most of us know this story very well. I want us to think about it, especially for the VBS that's coming up. You know, Brother Joe Oliver talked about the, the need to, to reach out to, to the prostitutes. Many of them are, are trapped, basically are slaves. Let's you know, not, not beat around the bush. They, they are trapped and forced to be addicted to drugs and, and where they can't get out. We, we have Rahab, who is a Canaanite harlot. She is a prostitute. There's, there's no sugarcoating what, what, what she was. But God used her mightily. And it, and it is through, through her, uh, really her faith in the God of Israel. Because why does she help them out? Because she has heard what God has done for the Israelites. And she has absolute faith that when the Israelites come, they are going to take Jericho. She doesn't doubt at all. Just as when you and I have faith in Christ, and we have no doubt that when Christ comes, it's, it's all done. And it's going to be beautiful and terrifying all at the same time. We have no doubt in Christ, as Rahab had no doubt in God. What's blessed for her is her family is spared because of her faith. You and I, we, we can reach out to our families. We can share the gospel, share the faith that we have. And, and through the grace of God, we may see our family spared that same wrath. I don't know if you realize it or not, but if you were to go through the genealogy of Jesus Christ, you're going to run into a prostitute. A Canaanite prostitute named Rahab. Her great, 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 great grandson will be Jesus Christ. We, we, we often overlook that in, in the genealogies. That God used this woman in a mighty way. Now, I, I do not believe at all anyone here has, has that title of an occupation in this room or in this church. But I want you to understand, regardless of what what your title is, regardless of what your past sins are, God can use you and will use you far beyond what you can imagine. There's some here, God will use you more than he will ever use me as a preacher. Just let him use you, and you'll see it happen. Too often we think we need a title in a church to have a platform to, to be a witness. No. You get to be a witness at your work, with your family, with your neighbors. Some of you drive drive Uber and get to witness to everyone you pick up. Brother, you probably witness more people in, in a week than I, than I do in a year here. Understand the great opportunity you have. Many of us are blessed to come in contact with many people. Don't lose sight of that. Rahab had one chance when she is encountering with these spies. And, 
and she saw faith, and, and she helped them. And her family was, was saved because of it. You know, I, I, I look back in my life, and I see many times where, where God's trying to get a hold of our attention, and we're just too stubborn. He's telling us the walls are about to come crumbling down on you. You need to get out while you can. You trust in me now. And that's what we need to do. We need to do that individually, but also as a church. Trust God. Oftentimes when we talk about faith and trust, we're talking about salvation. I, I, I know those who are here. I know you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. I don't doubt your eternal security. I praise God that I don't have to doubt it. But also that, that trust and faith goes beyond just salvation. You know, the three that came forward today. Baptism is our first act of obedience. It's not our last. It's meant to be our launching point. It's the first step of following after Christ. He didn't say, follow me for one step, Peter. He said, no, get out of your boat and follow me. And we, we are to follow Christ always to wherever he would have us go. To, to do whatever he would have us do. You know, I, I've shared with you guys many times, I, I find it quite ironic. God sends me, you know, 500 hours and like a 10-hour drive away to South Dakota, and then he sends me right back home. You don't know what God's going to do. And praise God for that. Because many of us would find it too scary. You would say, that, that, that's too hard. You know, you're going to face hard things. Many of you will face harder things than I've faced. But trust God. Trust God for the big things, and trust God for the little things. When we trust Him and allow Him to go before, and what we see with Joshua, his encounter right before Jericho, you know, he encounters the pre-incarnate Christ. He, he encounters the one who is going to do the battle. You all have encountered this same one. You've encountered Jesus Christ when you got down on your knee and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. He is Savior forever. Amen. Not just from God's wrath, but from our enemies' attacks. He is the one who, who will counterattack the accuser at every point. Every accusation Satan will make against you. Jesus is there saying, I've already paid the penalty. Understand, we have one life to live. It soon will be passed. Will we give glory to God with our life? Or will we be like so many in this country, in this world, who, who tell us they're Christians, but you honestly look at them and say, I don't see any fruit. There should be fruit. There should be great fruit. Yes, as we spoke this morning, the world will be against you. It was against Christ. Do not be afraid of those who, who don't like you because you proclaim Christ. Be fearful for them. For you know the one that they're going to stand before. So whatever you guys are facing, you know, whatever your walls of Jericho are, Understand that God has already won the battle. It's already been defeated and conquered. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. That's why Paul can say that the things of this life, all the pains and the struggles, are not even worth mentioning compared to the glory that awaits us in heaven. So when we look and we have those struggles and we have those moments that just frustrate us or make us angry, I've had those moments this week. Give them over to God. Understand that He is in control. And that no matter what, what we do, God loves us. He is faithful no matter what. I ask you to be in prayer for VBS coming up, for, for those kids that will be here. I've shared with you a few times last week, you know, the 
in the survey that one out of four kids or one out of four people that will be saved in this denomination will come from VBS. Amen. Amen. We need we need workers. The harvest is ready. The workers are few. We need people to, to be here and to, to be sharing the gospel with those little kids. You can do it a thousand different ways. You can be those storytellers. You can be those that are working on crafts. You can be those serving food. You can be those that are going to play dodgeball and, have, and do the sports and those kind of crafts. But also, they need people there that, that will walk beside them and share them the gospel in a way that their age can understand. Because we're not guaranteed that those kids will ever come back. The reality is most will never step foot in a church on Sunday morning. But you are given this opportunity. Joshua wasn't told if he was disobedient he'd get another opportunity at those walls. He had one opportunity. And he was faithful to the word of God. And if we are faithful, we will see the fruit and God will bless it. Amen. Amen.